Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Takes a shot, runs into the box, shot, score! It's time for Atlanta Soccer Tonight. Tune in as Jason Longshore gives you insight and analysis on the beautiful game, including headlines from around the world of soccer. Rebound, score! This is Atlanta Soccer Tonight, brought to you by Moe's Southwest Grill. Welcome to Moe's. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Here's Jason Longshore. Let's kick it. Atlanta soccer tonight, live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. I'm Jason Longshore. Welcome to our weekly show covering soccer in Atlanta, in the United States, in this hemisphere, in the world, and maybe anywhere else if we can find it. That's what we do on AST. we got a big game to talk about from the weekend, a 1-1 draw for Atlanta United at Yankee Stadium against NYCFC. Updates from around Major League Soccer. And then, as you know, the 3-4-3 to close things out. Let's start with Yankee Stadium and New York City Football Club. A 1-1 draw. And on paper, you take that result. And, you know, if you're offered that when you walk in the door, you might just take it because not a lot of teams get anything out of Yankee Stadium. Atlanta United was able to do that. Kind of a uh, roundabout way to get there in this one with uh, some interesting incidents in it. We will break all of those down as we go. We'll kind of go a little chronologically here because I feel like that might be the best way to tell the tale of this match. So the first half, um, I thought Atlanta United looked good. Uh, I thought they came out in this match and played their game. They were able to create some space on the uh, people are adamant about saying it is 70 yards wide. Okay, it's 70 yards wide. It's right on 70 yards wide. It's definitely not 71 yards wide. If it's 70 yards wide, that's fine. That's still narrow, and that's a known fact. Atlanta found space on it, though. Um, it's a short field, too. Atlanta still found space on it. That's a good thing. The the switches of play, and I thought Tiago Almada especially had some really creative ones with kind of bending a big switch to create space. Really impressive from Tiago Almada to do that and to find those op- those opportunities and those openings. Okay, so the first half, the biggest flashpoint in it is the collision. Gabriel Siegel on Brad Gazan. Second week in a row, 
that Gazan gets clattered into by an attacker who does not try to slow up in their charge into the goalkeeper. And second week in a row that said attacker is not shown a card for their troubles. Hmm. That's kind of strange. I don't get it. Usually goalkeepers are overprotected, not underprotected. In this one, look, Gazan is, is helpless. He's coming out to claim a ball. And Siegel does not slow his run, doesn't even try. Corey Burke, at least, I think, tried to hit the brakes a couple feet away from Gazan and slipped. Not really going to work there a couple feet away at full speed. But anyway, Siegel, if anything, lifted his leg, going for the ball, crashing into the goalkeeper. Um, you could tell Brad Gazan was in some serious pain here. Nice to see all the boo birds out at Yankee Stadium after this for the rest of the night for Brad. But, you know... <laughs> Just a frustrating situation where Gazan is hit once again. Referee didn't even really seem all that interested in calling the foul, let alone showing a card to Siegel. And, okay, Brad picks himself up, and he keeps going after getting his knee checked on the field to see if he could continue. You can watch the replays. You see that. He's obviously in pain, and he had a big night. He had some big plays later in the night on at least – a banged up knee you know you take that kind of contact it's it's going to affect you hopefully nothing more than that we'll have to wait and see T training is tomorrow at the children's health care of atlanta training ground oh but late in the first half uh yorgos yakamakis goes in for a slide realizes he's not going to get there puts his hands up gives himself up does make a little bit of contact with the nyc player on the ball and it's a quick yellow card for Yorgos Yakamakis. So, you know, it's all working out very well in the first 45. I, I thought Atlanta played well. thought it was a good game up to that point for Atlanta United in the first 45. Well, the second 45 got a little interesting in the 62nd minute. Foul is called on James Sands. And a yellow card is shown to James Sands in a full speed collision in the middle third. Both players are going as fast as and hard as they can go into a loose 50-50 ball. There have been a couple of challenges up to this point in the middle third. The ball's bouncing around. Both of these guys, Franco Ibarra moving to the right on the screen, James Sands moving to the left, and wow, what a collision. Live, the referee, who was very close to it, said Sands got there second and he deserved a yellow card for the, I don't know, the weight of the collision, the speed of the collision, the recklessness of the collision, what have you. Both players are down. VAR gets involved. They check it. They find out that, no, it was Franco Ibarra who got there second. And the reason he got there second is actually kind of interesting. And I didn't pick this up until uh, a couple of hours ago as I was watching this back um, to try to get my head around everything that went into it. James Sands is coming in to go at the ball with his right foot, as is Franco Ibarra. So they're both coming in with their right foot. Sands actually hits the ball with his plant foot, with his left. He's going full speed. He hits it with his left. He's not playing the ball with his left. He's not trying to get there first with his left and then draw contact. It, it, I mean, it's an accident. He, he's going to plant his left foot. He hits the ball. The ball goes off to the side. Ibarra is swinging through to hit the ball. Sands is coming through to hit the ball. The ball's not there anymore because it hit Sands' plant foot. And Ibarra 
wipes out James Sands. Well, they wipe each other out, but Ibarra was the one who, I guess, got more physicality in there because Sands had got to the ball. Red card to Ibarra. I don't love the red card, but you can easily justify the red card from a referee perspective. And there's not going to be any argument about it. There's not going to be an appeal. You're never going to win that appeal. It's it's never going to change. The reason why I don't like the red card, now I'll be clear on this. I talked about it on the full-time report. The referee initially judged the physicality in the play to be a yellow card. I don't think it should have changed to a red based on who got who. I don't think there was an issue there. The referee thought Sands got there second. He was wrong. I was wrong, too, watching it live. We didn't have the best angle. Um, Ibarra got there second. It's not studs up. Anybody who's trying to tell you studs up, I'm sorry, is incorrect. It is not studs up. He's going into the ball, and the ball's not there. His, his His boot is high. But studs up, just to be clear on the terminology, because... I don't want to get into a battle of semantics on this. Studs up does not mean your foot's off the ground. Studs up means you are going with your studs into the opposing player or the ball. You're going with your foot into the ball or the player. That is studs up. Studs up is not your foot's off the ground, so your studs are up from the ground. That's not what it means. So let's let's not try to change the wording around and, and make something out of that. Ibotter is late. He hits Sands incredibly hard. Sands had to leave the match. Red card, fine. Don't love it because it was a yellow initially without the replay. Screenshots and taking the replay by itself, taking just the contact by itself, it takes the context of the play away. Don't love that. But you're never going to have that red card changed once it is decided upon. So it's a red. Ibarra gets the red. He's off. Santi Sosa comes in. Other subs. Things happening. A couple minutes later, Atlanta United gets the first goal. Tiago Almada, I would love to ask him uh, if I see him at training tomorrow and I get the chance, I will. Doubt that's going to happen. But I will. I would love to ask him if he was going for the Olympico on the corner. I think he was. I think he's trying to play that low into the near post, uh, seeing that Luis Barraza was kind of cheating off his line a little bit. Gets cleared back out to the corner to Almada, and he puts a great ball into the back post, letting the big man go up and get it. And Yorgos Yakamakis wins the header, puts it off the underside of the bar, and Atlanta United, a man down, has the lead. They give up the lead way too quickly, and it's a moment of a quick strike from NYC. It's a long diagonal from the left to the right and headed forward to Gabriel Pereira, who had gotten in behind Santi Sosa. And remember, Sosa hadn't been in the match for very long. You're playing with 10. You're trying to get kind of reshaped into what really looked like a 4-4-1 kind of a shape. So you're trying to adjust all of that. Pereira gets in behind Sosa, just enough space to get there. Porata comes out to try to cover. Pereira gets him leaning one way, takes him to the left, and hits a, a golazo. It's a great goal from Pereira. Could Atlanta have dealt with it better? Yeah, but man, that's such a bang-bang play that <sighs> there's not a lot that went wrong defensively for Atlanta. They were just a step off, and playing with 10, that'll happen. New York's a good team in the attack. They get the goal. It's level, and it finished level. I, I thought Tiago Almada was brilliant in the match. He created five chances. He had eight shot-creating actions. 
the Olympico, the cross, the assist, playing as a left winger in the 4-4-1 and then moving up top. There was a little bit of a collision with him late in the match. Um, I believe he was being checked out because all Pineda was asked about. It. He mentioned it. You'll hear the clips here in a second. And it, it, hopefully it's not anything major. I don't think it was. He was hobbling a little bit at the end, but I don't think there's any major, major concern here when it comes to Almada. Now, let's hear from Gonzalo Pineda about his thoughts after the game when it came to the first, just the, the match in general. And of course, he's going to talk a little bit about the Brad Kazan collision. But here is Gonzalo Pineda's initial statement from Yankee Stadium about the match Saturday night. Uh, very upset with the way Drew carry on with the game. Very upset with that. I felt like it's the second time in a row that they come at the knee of Brad Gusan uh, and no punishment. So very upset with that. I told him that. Um, and I, again, we need to earn respect from the referees and from the league. We need to win more games and we need to win more trophies because we don't have the respect. And uh, very, very upset with the way they manage the game. Ten minutes for me is not uh, accurate. Uh, the yellow card on Yakumakis, I think, compared to the tackle on Brad, is nothing. Uh, so very, very upset with that. And those little things when you play away against a good team, a very good team, against a very good coach, uh, it's not easy. Even there, happy with the effort, with the passion, with the uh, good football uh, that my team showed today. And we need more performances like this to earn more respect from the referees. Follow-up question, Pineda was asked about the Ibarra red card and tackle, and here was the response. I haven't seen that one. Uh, I, I was late with other things. I just saw Brad Gusan's tackle, and, and that to me is unbelievable. That is not even a yellow, which for me was already uh, a bad call, but nothing is to me really bad. And it's the second time on the row they come against Brad in that way. And uh, I need to take care of my players because the referees are not doing that with my players. With the others, yes, they are doing that. Frankly, it's unacceptable. Goalkeepers have to be protected because they can be injured in these situations. We've seen it so many times. Like I said, typically goalkeepers get overprotected in these situations. I don't really have a big problem with that. In this case, it's been two games in a row where Brad Gazan has been hit by attackers out of control running into him, and they've not been punished for that. It's just not acceptable, and something's got to change with this. Um, fingers crossed there's nothing else in it. Fingers crossed there, there's no injury that results from this. We'll find out tomorrow with training. Uh, hopefully, everybody is able to participate in training tomorrow morning at the Children's Health Care of Atlanta Training Ground in Marietta. We'll find out about 10 a.m. All right. Take a break and get into a little bit more from this game. We're going to bounce around the league. There were a lot of things that happened in Major League Soccer this weekend. We'll get into all of those in about five minutes. Hang with me on Atlanta Soccer tonight on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, 
celebrity interviews, or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. When it comes to the world of soccer, we've got you covered. This is Atlanta Soccer Tonight with Jason Longshore. On Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Welcome back, Atlanta Soccer Tonight, live on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Thanks for hanging out with me. I'm Jason Longshore, putting a bow on everything from Yankee Stadium with Atlanta United and NYC. A couple of of extra comments from listeners out there tonight. Uh, Yeah, I would have been okay with James Sands getting a yellow for the way he went into the challenge as well. Um, That was what was given on the field. But again, Drew Fisher thought that Sands, I, I think, got there second when he gave the yellow. Absolutely could have been a yellow for the way he went in. Um, if Ibarra doesn't go in strong and Sands does, then Franco is probably injured on the play. Vice versa is true as well. If Sands doesn't go in strong and Ibarra does, probably injured. He was injured because he had to leave the field because they both went in strong. It, it's a physical game. Um, I don't have a problem with what Ibarra did. I don't think he's trying to hurt anybody in that challenge. He's got to go in strong. He's got to win the ball there. And if he doesn't, he's... That's that's the risky run. You know, I think Franco Ibarra has been brilliant for Atlanta United this season. This red card changes nothing for me and how I view Franco Ibarra. It's part of the game, especially for a physical player in the middle of the park in a field where action at Yankee Stadium is described as a series of car crashes. So that was a heavy one. And that's what it looked like. And it's probably what it felt like to James Sands and Franco Ibarra, who didn't come away, you know, without any kind of scrapes or bruises from that one either. Um, Other things that stood out about this game to me, uh, 12 out of the 14 field players recorded a tackle or interception. Kind of goes back to what I just said about a a series of car crashes, right? It's just a weird game at Yankee Stadium because you don't have time to breathe. And it's not because of a pressing style like you get against the Red Bulls or Philly or Cincy or St. Louis. It's just because the confines put players on top of you. So everybody's going to get involved in that. You have to be physical. I think Yorgos Yakamaki's uh, physical on that goal. You know, you go back and look at it. Yeah, he's fighting for space. He little bit of contact in the back of Maxime Chinot to create the space. Not enough to for a foul by far, um, <laughs> unless you're Santiago Sosa in Columbus last year, maybe. But, you know, he goes up and he wins the header, and it's a good one. I thought Yakamaki's uh, and just what he brings, the presence he brings to this team is massive and it's so important it's going to be very important in toronto on the weekend um last one uh just from the comment section about gonzalo's comments about needing to earn respect you know i mean you do have to remember that 
a coach speaking to the media is performing a bit of a, a role here. And lobbying is part of that. Uh, trying to make a point without being disrespectful is part of that. And honestly, I think he's trying to put it in a way that is is trying to make that point that this should not be happening without just saying the referees are not doing a good job. And it's not that simple. It's not. We're going to talk about another referee incident uh, in the 3-4-3. And I think people are jumping on the wrong side of it, to be honest. Refereeing is difficult. It is. VAR is there to help get things right. That's also true. I think the level of refereeing in this country has to continue to improve. It, it cannot stay with the level of development and investment that it is currently because it's not enough. There are not enough high quality referees for the number of professional games that we have in this country. There's not. There's more professional games every year than ever before with the, the growth of the NWSL, USL Championship, USL League One, MLS Next Pro, NISA, all of the other games going on in the grassroots level, at the amateur level. You, you've got the, the USLW League. You've got the Super League coming in with second division women's professional soccer. There are not enough high-quality referees to go around. We've got to catch up. That investment has to continue. That's why you have some of these situations. And Drew Fisher has been one of the better referees in the league. Um, I didn't think he had a good night, and it started with the Brad Kazan incident. If that is handled differently, well, one, the game's going to turn out completely different if a red card is shown to Gabriel Siegel. If at least a yellow card is shown, which I, I'm with Pineda, I think that would be wrong. But at least you might set a line and set a bar. The yellow card to Yakimaki says the first yellow of the night does not set any kind of a bar. That's kind of a joke just like the one in stoppage time to an NYC player. It's kind of a joke. It means nothing at that point. I didn't like the game management at all. That's frustrating. Uh, never got a better look at the Derek Etienne offside. That was another question. I thought he was live watching it first time on that first ball over the top. It wasn't when he put the ball in the back of the net. It was the first ball over the top. I thought he was. We did not have a good angle on it, uh, and we did not get any help from a monitor. I saw one quick replay, and yeah, nothing to change my opinion. I, I thought he was off by about a step. Um, okay, one other player to, to highlight here that I have not talked about yet, Caleb Wiley. So Caleb Wiley has stuck at left back two games in a row now. He won two tackles. He picked up two interceptions. He passed at 86%, and one of the elements of his game that really has never been a factor is long passing. He was four out of five on those. He also carried the ball on the dribble into the attacking third quite a bit. Wiley is getting the job done at left back. Andrew Gutman is, is healthy enough to be on the bench now. If he has a full week of training, barring any setbacks, then he will be in full competition to move back into the lineup at left back. Derek Etienne has had, I think, good performances at left wing. But that's a tough decision for Gonzalo Pineda going into Toronto. If Gutman is 90 minutes fit, Wiley's 90 minutes fit. I think Etienne's pretty close to 90, min 90 minutes fit, but he's definitely fit enough to start. You're only going to play two of the three. And I don't really know right now which two it should be. I'm, I'm perfectly honest with that and how I see it. Like, I don't think that's an easy decision. I don't think it's an easy decision between a Marcetic and Mateus Osetsu. I think both have been very good. I think it is probably an easy decision on who replaces Franco Ibarra in the lineup. You'd expect that to be Santiago Sosa. 
We will see as the week goes on. Open training tomorrow in Marietta and then Thursday training and the media will be there and Gonzalo Pineda will speak to the media then. And then Saturday night, we'll be in Toronto. Toronto, uh, all over the place this year. Difficult team to break down, but not a team that is necessarily threatening consistently. Lorenzo Insigne's absence, part of that. Adama Diamande's absence, part of that. They are getting some good performances in the midfield, though. Uh, Mark Anthony Kay, Brandon Cervania, I think, are bringing some energy and some legs to, you know, Michael Bradley, who's still quality on the ball, but doesn't cover as much ground as he used to. Jonathan Osorio doesn't cover as much ground as he used to, and you want him to focus on the attacking end and getting involved. He's even played on the wing a decent bit. Uh, Victor Vasquez, when he's in, doesn't cover as much ground as he used to. You're getting good performances out of Cervania and Kay. They're bringing the energy. Bradley, Vasquez, Osorio bring in the quality. That's a good midfield. And the back line is better. The defense is better than it's been. I thought Atlanta could have slash should have won the home game against Toronto. Can they go to BMO Field and win? Yes, they can. It's going to be a little bit more of a challenge without Franco Ibarra. That's for sure. I think Santiago Sosa needs to be a little more physical in the middle of the park, maybe not to the degree that he bought or was at Yankee Stadium, but I digress. I think that physicality has been a really important element in Atlanta United's success so far this season. And you got to get some of that out of Sosa in this game, along with his quality on the ball. Looking forward to it, and we'll keep you posted on everything that comes out of Marietta as we go this week. Other updates around MLS. Going to start with what happened at Red Bull Arena. Uh, We were trying to catch up on all of this after the game at Yankee Stadium ended. There were 21 minutes of stoppage time at Red Bull Arena, and we had no idea why initially. Uh, By now, everybody knows why. There was an incident involving Dante Van Zier, the new designated player for the New York Red Bulls, and allegations of um, a racial insult being uttered by Van Zier were made. And today, a few hours ago, actually, Dante Van Zier issued a statement uh, Red Bulls put it out on his behalf and Van Zier sincerely apologized. That's in quotes to the players of the earthquakes. He also once apologized to his teammates, the organization, the fans. He said, I made a mistake and we'll take all the necessary steps to grow. This is from the statement from Van Zier. I accept full responsibility for my actions. While I did not intend to cause any harm or offense with my language, I know that I did. And for that, I am deeply sorry. I will agree to any suspension, fine, and counseling that is handed down by Major League Soccer and the club. What should that punishment be? Well, we don't know what was said, and I don't know how much that actually changes it. Um, There have been some anonymous accounts on the Bird app with things being said about what was said and it not being one possible word, but it being another word. And and look, I, I don't know what was said. I don't know what Gerhard Struber knew and didn't know either. And I think there's too much focus on Gerhard Struber's actions in this where there are some unknowns. If I am the New York Red Bulls in this situation, and I think they would benefit from getting further out in front on this. I don't know exactly how far out in front they are. If I'm the New York Red Bulls in a situation, I think they should take strong action and suspend Dante Van Zier for the season. 
if there are no questions about what he said, he is taking full responsibility for his actions. If it is not a word or phrase that could be interpreted differently, depending on where you are from in the world. And we've had this conversation over the years about different words and phrases and how they mean different things in different parts of the world, even in the same language. If there is no question about this one, then he should be suspended for the season. And the Red Bull should do it. They shouldn't wait for MLS to do it. The Red Bull should do it. I'm not of the opinion that his contract should be voided and he should be kicked out of the league and things like that. People do make mistakes. Maybe people don't understand the full weight of words in some parts of the world. I don't know what was said, so I can't make a bold proclamation about it. But I can tell you that the Red Bulls, if there is no question of what was said, if there's none of that wiggle room in there, they should suspend him for the season. And if I'm also the Red Bulls, because now there are videos being pulled and trying to put words in people's mouths about what Gerhard Struber should have done or shouldn't have done, I would talk to my senior leaders in the team. And I would talk to them about how that was handled on the field because Struber was not where the words were said. He would not have heard what was said. He would have heard it secondhand, potentially, but he would not have heard it. If he didn't know, and if Van Zier told him that he didn't say anything, it's really difficult for a manager to, without having the facts in front of them, pull a player off the field in that situation and risk ruining a relationship, not trusting a brand new designated player that you're expected to be a big part of your team. If he didn't know, and he was not told by players, I know there's, there's people who are trying to put a conversation in front of us without words being said on video between Carlos Coronel and Gerhard Struber. If Coronel wanted Van Zier pulled off the field and, other Red Bulls players agree with Cornell and they told Struber as much and he did not. That's a lot of ands and ifs, but that's how you have to handle these things. You have to get facts and you have to have conversations. And if they can determine that Struber did not follow the wishes of the team and the senior team leaders, then yeah, you're probably looking at a big problem for Gerhard Struber and continuing in the New York Red Bulls. But you've got to get all that nailed down before you start making these proclamations. This stuff has no place in the game. And this stuff has got to be eradicated from the game. It has to. And the way you start to do that is with bold, strong action. And also, and also, if Van is going to remain under contract with the New York Red Bulls and he's suspended for the season... Well, you better do all of the sensitivity training and everything that you need to do in that. And he better be willing to do it because you have to use it as an opportunity for education. That's how things change. That's how something different happens. But you got to get all the facts right first. The referee was standing right there. I'd love to see the referee's report on this. I'd love to hear some of the interviews from players. I thought Jeremy Abobasi handled himself incredibly well in conveying what was going on, but also not potentially 
wrecking any kind of an investigation with his comments after the fact. I thought Luchi Gonzalez, I have no problem with anything Luchi Gonzalez said either after the game. Got to get to the bottom of this when it comes to Gerhard Struber, and you've got to punish Dante Van Zier incredibly strongly if there is not a question about potential meanings being different in different cultures and where he's from and what was said, because we don't know exactly what was said. I'm glad he confessed, and I'm glad he is taking full responsibility for that, and the league needs to deal with it and move forward. Don't let it linger. The club needs to deal with it and move forward. Don't let it linger. All right. Other things around MLS before we take a break and then get into the 3-4-3. LAFC is just killing it right now. They whooped up on Austin 3-0. Boanga with a hat trick. They beat Austin 3-0 in the playoffs last year. They beat them again here. They're running right over Vancouver in CONCACAF Champions League. Chirundolo, 25 career regular season wins in 40 games. That's fewer than anyone in MLS history, excluding the shootout era. Luciano Acosta led Cincinnati to a win over Philadelphia. It's a penalty. It wasn't the most thrilling of games at Cincinnati and Philly. I don't think you really expected anything different. But Cincy has won three straight overall, four straight at home. They're on top of the East. They're on top of the Supporter Shield, 5-0-2. Columbus. Ten goals in their two games coming into this one. They beat D.C. 2-0. That's 12 goals in three games. That's 17 goals this season. That is the highest goal total through the first seven games of any season in Columbus Crew history. That is the fourth best attacking output through seven games in MLS history. LAFC in 2019, Toronto in 2019 with 19 goals, LAFC with 21 and LA Galaxy in 98 with 20 goals. And Kai Kamara, of all people, a brace for Chicago. They beat Minnesota 2-0. First loss of the year for Minnesota. Kamara's got 142 goals in his career now in MLS. He's got three for Chicago this year. He is 38 years old, 219 days old. Second oldest MLS player to score multiple goals in a game. Precky's got him by a little over a year. Precky had a brace in 2003 at almost 40 years old. All right, coming up, three local stories, four world headlines, and three things that make me smile about this game that we love so much. The 3-4-3 coming up next on 92.9 The Game and the Odyssey app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. 
Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. It's time to wrap up tonight's show with the 343. 343. Three local stories, four headlines from around the world, and three things that made you smile about the game. Atlanta Soccer Tonight is on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Welcome back. It's the 343 to finish up Atlanta Soccer Tonight for April 10th. My name's Jason Longshore. Three local stories, four world headlines, three things that make me smile about this game that we love so much. Let's start on the local side. Number one, you got two Georgia-based teams remaining in the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. South Georgia Tormenta defeated Rio Grande Valley last week. They advanced to the third round, and they draw Charlotte FC of MLS. They're going to play this not at Bank of America Stadium, at the Sportsplex at Matthews just outside of Charlotte. That's going to be on Tuesday night, April 25th. Atlanta United entering the tournament in the third round. They have been drawn against USL Championship side, Memphis 901, coached by our old friend Stephen Glass. That match is going to be played in Kennesaw on Wednesday, April 26th. Uh, Multiple Memphis players have been with Atlanta United or Atlanta United 2, so... They will be very up for that match in Kennesaw. There will definitely be some action at the fraction that night. Uh, should be a fun one in the Open Cup in the third round. I know tickets, at least the pre-sale, has already started. Uh, if you want to get into that game, you might want to grab those tickets very, very quickly. Number two on the local side, University of Georgia incoming freshman Kiera Stoud and Jocelyn Chinea were selected to participate in training camps for the U.S. and Puerto Rico youth national teams, respectively. Stoud has been called into the U.S. U18, U19 youth national team training camp. That's running this week, April 12th through the 19th, at the Wake Med Soccer Park in Cary, North Carolina, uh, precursor to future U20 call-ups. While Chinea was invited to the Puerto Rico U20 national team camp, That started today and runs through the 20th. Georgia State had three players on Puerto Rico's U-20 national team last time out. I'm not 100% sure if all of them have aged out of the U-20s or not. I don't think they all have. So could be a couple different Georgia schools represented in that Puerto Rico U-20 national team on the women's side. Number three on the local side of the 3-4-3. Upcoming grassroots coaching courses in Dunwoody. This weekend, they start. The virtual portion of it is on Sunday. The in-person portion of it 
is next Thursday, April 20th. The 7v7 coaching course runs from 5 to 7 on Sunday virtually and then 5.30 to 7.30 next Thursday in person. The 11v11 coaching course, a couple hours after that, 7 to 9 on Sunday virtual, 7.30 to 9.30 in person next Thursday. The in-person portion is going to be held at Brook Run Park in Dunwoody. More information on that, go to Georgia at Georgia Soccer on Twitter to get that. And there are other coaching courses coming. If you're planning on coaching, if you're just a fan and you want to learn more about the coaching side, these courses have really improved and they're worth checking out. So at Georgia Soccer on Twitter for all the upcoming coaching course info. Four headlines from around the world. That 2-2 draw between Liverpool and Arsenal yesterday was bonkers. Arsenal was as dominant as you could be to start this match, and then they completely lost control of it and should have lost. Mo Salah misses a penalty, pushes it wide. Ramsdale had two incredible saves in stoppage time. He made one. I was talking about it to somebody and typing about it, and before I could even finish, he had made another one. Just insane. Liverpool had 19 shots inside the box, the most that Arsenal have faced since they started keeping track of that in the 2003-2004 season. Arsenal can be sure that Manchester City is going to gather some momentum from this. They had a big 4-1 win against Southampton. That was expected, but they're going to continue this momentum. Since losing to Tottenham in early February, City have taken 22 of possible 24 points. They got all the momentum. Arsenal's six points clear, but they've played one more game, so that would take it to three if City wins that game in hand, and City will not back off. Now, the other area of this match that is drawing a lot of conversation is the assistant referee who allegedly elbowed Andy Robertson from Liverpool at halftime. He is not going to be appointed for matches in the future until an investigation is complete. That's according to the PGMOL, the referee's body. Konstantin Hatsidakis is the AR. You've seen the clip by now, I'm sure. Andy Robertson approaches the official and makes contact with the official. And Hatsidakis throws his arm up in the air. I don't think he's throwing his elbow at Robertson. I, I think that is completely and utterly false. He throws his arm up in the air to get Robertson off of it. Robertson grabs his arm. That's a problem. Everybody is irate about the referee raising his arm in this situation. Everybody is missing the point if that's all they're talking about. And I heard that a lot yesterday in coverage of the Premier League. To the point that saying that this referee should never work again. He was grabbed by a player. Flat out. That's not acceptable. Can referees start fighting back? No, we don't want that. But can they keep getting grabbed and bumped and jostled and crowded? No, they can't. That is not acceptable either. It's not right. I'm sorry. All the outrage that people want to have about Robertson getting bumped in the chin. Oh, no. The referee did not throw the elbow at him. That's that's patently false. Robertson can't go around grabbing a referee at halftime because he's upset about something from the first half. That's not okay. 
for all the talk about this referee losing his job, where's the talk about Robertson being punished? Because he should be. Because he grabbed a referee. Referees and the governing bodies of this game have to start yellow carding immediately when they start to crowd the referee. Back in the day, and yeah, I'm going to be the old man yelling at cloud now. Back in the day, if you didn't have the captain's armband, you couldn't talk to the referee. You'd get a yellow card. You might need to go back to that. At a minimum, you might need to go to at least the captain is the only one who can approach the referee. And referees also need to be very clear in allowing the captain to approach them to diffuse the situation. But all the crowding, the jostling, yelling at the referee at halftime, grabbing the AR's arm as he's trying to walk to his group, that is completely unacceptable. And it's ridiculous that people are calling for this AR to lose his job permanently. And nobody's talking about Andy Robertson having any punishment for grabbing the referee, grabbing the assistant referee in the situation. It's a joke. That's not okay. And until that stops happening, you're going to see referees try to defend themselves, whether it's in Liga MX, where referee throws his knee up slightly to create a little bit of space when he's getting crowded. And yeah, catches a player in a sensitive area. That referee, I believe, is suspended for 10 games. If this referee is suspended for more than 10 games or anywhere near that, that's a clown decision. Robertson needs to be punished as well. He should be suspended because he could have been sent off. And nobody's talking about that. That's wrong. Number two in the 3-4-3 world headlines, Fulham. Looks like they're going to get the call up here. Leeds has been rumored for a while about this proposed preseason summer series between Premier League sides. Uh, The Athletic has written about it. AS in Spain has written about it. Leeds was going to be part of it with all of their American influence. I get it. Makes sense. Well, (laughs) Leeds might get relegated and not be part of the Premier League. And it sounds like this is going to be an official Premier League thing because Rebecca Lowe was teasing it heavily on Premier League coverage on TV this weekend, teasing a big Premier League announcement from the Premier League. If Leeds isn't part of the Premier League, and they might not be, well, then they can't be part of this, can they? So it looks like Fulham is going to be part of it. Uh, They're currently 10th. They're expected to join, and this was from AS this morning, Aston Villa, Brentford, Brighton, Chelsea, Newcastle, and now Fulham in the tournament. The Athletic had reported previously that the Premier League is poised to announce this preseason competition. It was supposed to start in 2022. There was still fallout from the pandemic. They postponed it for a year. So where, when, if, how, what's it looking like? But now we're already talking about teams being replaced in it. So that was the latest this morning from AS in Spain. Number three on the headlines, U.S. Women's National Team. They defeated Ireland Saturday 2-0, one of the last tune-ups before the Women's World Cup in July. Emily Fox scored the first goal. Lindsey Horan from the spot. Second goal. Ireland had their opportunities. They couldn't find a breakthrough. Julie Ertz returned 610 days away. She returns. That's huge for this team going into the World Cup. I think she'll make the squad. Mallory Swanson. After this injury, it's not looking good for her to make the squad. Long delay resulted in her being carted off the field. Bad knee injury. I mean, 
it'd be a miracle she gets to the World Cup now, and she's been in such great form. You just you hate to see this sort of thing after missing out the last time around, playing herself into the position where likely starter to now probably not going to make the trip due to injury. Awful. The U.S. women's national team still is not looking all that convincing at times, though, against teams that you would have previously expected them to look very convincing against. They're going to get another opportunity against Ireland. That's tomorrow night, Tuesday night, in St. Louis. That should be an incredible atmosphere in St. Louis. Number four on the world headlines, Bayern Munich. They are going to be the underdogs, according to Thomas Tuchel, their manager. It's easy to forget because he hasn't been there very long, and we're doing the managerial musical chairs these days. But he says they're going to be the underdogs against Manchester City in the first leg of their Champions League quarterfinal at City on Tuesday. It's the biggest test that he's faced since he took over last month. Um, He has had City's number. He did lead Chelsea to the Champions League title, beating Pep City in the 2021 Champions League final. He's had success against City. He said tomorrow we will have the role of the underdog, and that is okay. We have to stay confident and stay on top of our game. They'll be the underdog, but not by much. It should be a thrilling two-leg series. Benfica and Inter, that's tomorrow as well. Inter have not won in their last six games in all competitions. Real Madrid and Chelsea, they meet on Wednesday. And big game in Italy on Wednesday. Napoli and Milan. Milan won big in league play when these teams played recently. Now it's two legs in the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Ooh, I can't wait for that one. That's going to be good. Three things that make you smile about this game that we love so much. Number one, for me, the job that Vincent Company has done with Burnley, getting them promoted back to the Premier League in record time. There's still seven games to play. It's the fastest promotion of the championship era. When they got relegated, and this was a big talking point that I think has kind of slipped through the cracks over time. They were in the Premier League for six years. When they got relegated, there was some serious talk about financial collapse because there was this leveraged takeover by an American consortium in late 2020, a significant proportion of a $78 million loan was going to have to be repaid when they got relegated, $87 million worth of players departed. Vincent Company has put together the squad. He knows the Belgian market very well. He's got connections at Manchester City, obviously. He got bargain deals, and they are two, three years ahead of where they thought they would be. Uh, their their chairman, Alan Pace, said, I think what you've seen is a lot of magic coming together. Speaking of magic, uh, Wrexham today, 3-2 home win against Knotts County. This looked like it had been scripted, and this was not scripted. Uh, crazy game, back and forth. Both teams had leads. Ben Foster, who Wrexham just signed here recently, saved a penalty in stoppage time to make sure that they held on to the win. And they are all but up. They don't need many points left. They're in first. They beat the team that was chasing them the hardest. They should get that automatic promotion spot. And then what a story when you get into the fourth division back in the EFL. And look, Wrexham has incredibly huge aspirations. Can they get back to the Premier League? I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, Number three, Sacramento Republic. This is why I love the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. 
They were down 2-0 after 13 minutes in their first game, second round game. They were down 3-2 in overtime. They came back to win 5-4 against the NPSL's Crossfire Redmond. Johnny Fenwick, rookie year as a pro, he scored in the 113th minute. Just a wild advertisement for this tournament. And unfortunately, this game was not televised. (laughs) Come on, Bleacher Report Live. Get all these games on TV. All right, join Mike Conti and me for stoppage time Wednesday afternoon at 2 p.m. on the 92.9 The Game Facebook page. March to Match Day. That'll post on the Off the Woodwork podcast and the 92.9 The Game YouTube page. That's going to be on Friday. Five Stripes Countdown starts at 7 o'clock on Saturday night. We'll be at BMO Field to face Toronto FC. You can listen on 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey app, and the Atlanta United app. Thanks for hanging out with me on a Monday night. Adios, everybody. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.